0: You're listening to the Boots About Business podcast. We share stories from military veterans that have transitioned to the world of business. On the show, you'll hear conversations with business leaders, executives, and entrepreneurs that all started their careers wearing boots in the service of the U.S. Armed Forces. This podcast is equal parts about sharing great stories, helping veterans, helping businesses, and fostering a greater understanding of the value veterans can bring to business. And welcome, everybody, to episode number 17 of the Boots About Business podcast. I am your host, Frank Strong. Here with us today is Herb Thompson. He is a former Green Beret and today serves as a management consultant with Accenture. He has an interesting story on transitioning, which actually led him to write and publish a book on the topic. It's called The Transition Mission. And we're going to get into that later in the show. Welcome to the show, sir.
1: Hey, Frank. Appreciate you having me on, man. I'm happy to be here and look forward to put out some good info and have a good discussion.
0: Glad to have you. So the first question I always ask people is the question about the uniforms, the uniting theme of the show. Why did you join the service? And then what inspired you to go SF, Special Forces?
1: Yeah, growing up in upstate New York, there wasn't a whole lot of options where I came from. And ever since I was a little kid, I wanted to join the military. The Army was the first recruiter I went to and had they not come through, it would have been out of the Marine Corps. So thankfully, the Army recruiter came through and then, you know, the rest is history. There was not a huge family connection. I found out later my grandpa was in the Korean War, but I found that after I joined. And then I had two goals to be a drill sergeant and earn my Green Beret. I had saw an article in National Geographic in the school library about it when I was a younger kid, and that just made me want to be a Green Beret, even before I knew really what it was, just from that article. And fortunately, I was able to accomplish both my goals in the military during my 20 years.
0: Yeah, so there's a lot of myths and maybe misinformation and Hollywoodification, if you will, of what the Special Forces are, what the Green Berets do. And it's not an opportunity we have a chance to talk to somebody that actually served in that capacity every day. So let me ask you, what is it that Green Berets do?
1: Yeah, I mean, really, Green Berets are expert in unconventional warfare. That is what we do now. There's other things we do, but... We are one of the few, if only, force, especially in America, that goes over and works by, with, and through a government force or indigenous force, whether that's government or non-government. So we don't have to send in 500 Americans from an infantry battalion of Marines or Army, but you can send in 12 Green Berets. They're, you know, we're self-sustaining. We do our own thing there. Come back out. It's just a numbers game. So mass producing, build rapport, really assimilate and learn a culture while doing that through accomplishing uh, strategic missions. And I mean, it comes in all shapes and form. A lot of in Iraq, people got into it with the kind of the Rambo-esque part of it of door kicking and running and gunning. But really, how I've always looked at it is as a Green brave, if you're shooting your weapon, either something's gone really wrong or you messed up because you should be getting all these indigenous forces or somebody else to shoot for you. And it's really about using your brain over the brawn.
0: Mm -hmm. This even reminds me of a term that we see pop up in the business world nowadays, the the idea of force multiplication or force multiplier.
1: Yeah, that's what it is. Force multiplier send us in. The best, probably the best modern example or semi-modern is, you know, right after 9-11. The few Green Berets that went in, there was a few other people on the ground from people, you know, that don't exist. But then, you know, those Green Berets, what, in about six weeks had Northern Afghanistan secure. And that was by working through the Northern Alliance. So that is kind of a model of what a Green Beret is supposed to do.
0: Yeah, great. And that was turned into a book, I believe it's called Ghost Soldiers. A horse Soldiers. Horse Soldiers. That's right. And then yeah. a, later a
1: movie. Yeah, the movie 12 Strong, which obviously they get into more of the shooting and fun as- or the cool guy aspect of it. You know, it's kind of boring to go, oh, wow, you went in there and you just talked to him, and you rode on a horse and then you called in some airstrikes. It doesn't, you know.
0: Yeah, 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 yeah. So that's it cool. cool. <laughs> yeah, that was amazing. So you personally, I imagine you've been to a lot of special places. Is there one or two that stand out in your mind? Yeah, I mean, you know, the current war zones where
1: we've been, I've spent all my time in the Middle East, so just about every country in the Middle East I've been to. I wouldn't say any of them stick out. You know, the one that always sticks out is come back to America and being happy when I hit boots on ground here. That's the one that sticks out to me and why I did what I did. That was always this special moment. Not that I didn't enjoy downrange, and it's what I live for in a lot of ways, but getting back here is, is the special moment.
0: Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Well said, what was your, this is kind of a somber question, but I ask... Almost everybody that comes on the show. What was your worst day in uniform?
1: Yeah, I mean, multiple ones. It's when you lose a buddy, right? When you lose a brother, you know, or sister, however, depending on the listeners, and that is the toughest days. And you know, when you sign up for combat arms, it's going to happen, right? Or if you're in special operations, it's a threat, but a lot of times you don't believe it can happen to you or you accept it. But those are definitely the hardest days, those times, or even now, you know, now that I'm out and I hear about something happening, even if I don't know them, I like, I know of the
0: person. So those are the tough days. Yeah, for sure. And then the flip side of that question is, what was your best day?
1: Yeah, I guess the best. I mean, I think of a couple missions I had that were just awesome, doing kind of what a green brain is supposed to do, you know, surrounded, fighting with Indige and like no other care in the world and just happy. But I would actually say probably surprisingly now is my last day when I got to, I didn't even have a uniform on. I left base, didn't look back in the rear view mirror. And it was like, all right, next chapter of the life, let's go. So I will say that is it's kind of what I look back now as the best
0: day. Awesome. No doubt. A, a great day. Looking back, what do you think the service taught you that is applicable to your business world today?
1: Everything. I use it every day little context. I joined straight out of high school at the age of 17. I had never, you know, I had a little bit of job, but there was no, you know, I was 17 years old when I joined. So everything I learned while I was in the Army, I grew up, I became a man in the Army. And everything that has taught me is I use it today. I will say even now doing a graduate degree in Ivy League school, like a lot of even what I'll move forward using is what I've learned in the military with just a, you know,
0: a little bit of tweaks and flares from what they added to my education hmm That's awesome. And you, since you mentioned it, where are you taking your graduate degree now?
1: Yeah, I'm doing an executive MBA at Cornell. Awesome. So again, one not to get in there without my military experience, but more importantly, selling and showing the value of my military experience and what I would bring. And it's kind of the same with the job, you know?
0: Do you think this is kind of a an ad hoc question, but your experience in unconventional warfare is an asset as you pursue your graduate studies?
1: Oh, it's huge. Uh, not just graduate studies and business, because it's all about people, right? How do you study a problem set? How do you study people? How do you get them to do what you want to do? How are you able to analyze problem sets and filter data? All that is the same for school. It's for business. So it definitely plays in big time.
0: So I want to dig into the transition part. And you mentioned, you know, it was one of your best days and, and uniforms really is leaving and never looking back, you know, proud of a career, but turning the page so to speak. You have kind of a an interesting story, of like a project that you did as you transitioned. Tell us about that. What happened? How did it unfold?
1: Yeah, it kind of started two years out from my proposed retirement, and I didn't have a clue. I knew I didn't know what I didn't know, and I knew I didn't know a lot. So I was like, how am I going to do this? I knew I didn't want to become a statistic. I didn't have anything to go back home to from where I grew up, so it was what do I know? I know how to plan missions. I know how to plan unconventional warfare. So I turned into a mission. Said, I'm going to deploy into the United States of America. And the mission is to be go into business, right? Or become joint corporate America. And that's how I treated, because that's what I knew. And that's really what I started breaking it down. Did I like write out a full op order? No. But was I doing that in my head and going through, you know, military decision making process and planning where I wanted to go and facts and assumptions? Yeah. Cause that's all I knew. So I was like, why not use it? It's work to plan wars and campaigns and everything else. Why want to work for this?
0: That's awesome. How to deploy to corporate America. I mean, that's going to be the title right there. One of the things that you did was, and just an astonishing 2000 informational interviews. How did that come about? How did you get people on the phone? And this is over the two year mark prior to your separation and retirement.
1: Yeah, it was over two years, obviously more heavy towards the end, but uh, one key was LinkedIn, right? I got in, I leveraged LinkedIn because how else was I going to connect with so many people, especially if I was moving In my case. I was at Fort Campbell, Kentucky with Fifth Group, moving to Washington, D.C. I couldn't drive up there, fly up there all the time, so I knew how to leverage LinkedIn. And then it was, hey, it really was this, hey, I'm a transitioning Special Forces leader. My name is Herb Thompson. Could you tell me how you were successful in your business or in your industry or your company? And I didn't know anything. I always say banking is the example is I knew there was tellers in a bank and then there was somebody in a back office and I heard of this thing called Wall Street and I'd seen it on TV. So I talked to some bankers and I realized I didn't want to do banking, but I would not have known that unless I talked to people. So I just talked to people from every industry. Usually one conversation would lead to them connect me with another person. And it was just building a network And I kept doing that. And the more I talked to people, the more I realized, oh, crap, I got a lot to learn. And I got a lot to decide for myself, not just what they can tell me is, but really, what is it that I want to do? What do I want to do when I grow up? Because I had two life goals and they're accomplished now, but I got a lot more life to live. So, hey, what am I going to do? And by talking with people, I was able to eliminate things, which really helped me focus on where I end up landing in management consulting, but I would not have been able to do it without LinkedIn. And yeah, I would not recommend doing 2000. It's ridiculous. There was times where I had eight phone calls lined up back to back and I wanted to know who I was talking to until five minutes in. And I, some of these were like CEOs of companies. So I was able to BS my way, if you will, for the first few minutes to figure it mm-hmm. out, but you definitely
0: don't need to do 2000. Yeah, how many should they do? Like what's a good approach for somebody that's transitioning and they're they're thinking about getting out and it's intimidating just to, you know, cold pitch people on LinkedIn. You'd never been on LinkedIn before, you know, that's intimidating. Yeah, I'm
1: telling you, I was more scared to do some of that stuff on LinkedIn than a couple months earlier when I was in a gunfight, right? Not scared at all. I'm laughing. People are shooting at us. We're shooting back and I'm laughing. And now I'm sitting here like, oh, how do I write a LinkedIn message and sweating? And I'm like, man, I'm an idiot. What the heck am I doing? Like nobody's shooting at me. I'm not jumping out of a plane. Let's figure this out. But I always say until you think you know what you're doing or you feel comfortable, plus one more, you know, it doesn't hurt to do more. You never know when that key one is and like doing all them 2000, one of them happened to be a key person I talked to. Five months later, let me know about the Accenture position where I ended up and interviewing there. He didn't know it five months earlier. I didn't know. He wasn't even with Accenture. So he was actually with a competitor. So it's, you never know how it's going to work, but you just talk to people. It's gaining information, right? There's no S2 or the Intel shop to get us info. You better go talk to people and get it or scan the ether webs, you know?
0: Yeah. So you got some direction about What it is you thought you might want to do once you got out? There's got to be other lessons. You aggregate that all of those and compile them into a book. Tell us about your book.
1: Yeah, so really, it was by accident, right? The whole LinkedIn thing happened by accident. I figured out where I was going. Not that I didn't fail. I failed multiple times. I talk about in the book, like it's not all roses and unicorns. And I got a Ferrari and six supermodels outside waiting for me, cheering. You know, it's just not. It's not reality. But I learned through it. And by doing that, I shared information, shared with others, and I had so many other veterans reaching out to me, senior, junior to me, people who had transitioned a few years before, been out, people going through with me, people coming up on it. And I was like, I need to do a book. And um, there was one call with this officer that got out and was just, hey, I'm effing lost, man. I don't know what I'm doing. And I'm like, crap, I need to help more people. And that's how the book came across. But really, nobody can tell you there's so many programs out there that can help out over 40,000 veteran service organizations. but Nobody could tell you, hey, Frank, what do you want to do? You know, what makes you happy? Nobody knows that. Yeah. So for me, I went back and looked at, hey, what made me happy in the military? How can I find that when I'm outside of the, uniform? And by talking with people, I came to deduction. oh, I think it's going to be management consulting and let me go this route. But again, I just planned it like a mission and used what I knew and then went through and used LinkedIn to talk with people. And then, you know, same thing. I'm gaining intel. How do I interview? How do I do, you know, my resume and those factors? And then fortunately- There was three companies I targeted. I got interviews at all three companies as a test because I was helping other people out before I wrote the book. I applied to over a thousand jobs online, and less than one percent offered me an interview. Just cold, you know, send off your resume. So, not saying it doesn't happen. People don't get jobs that way. But networking, you know, the studies show somewhere seventy-eight percent of jobs are through networking, and that's different. We didn't know that in the military, right? Did you ever network for? Hey, you know, let me. The platoon leader doesn't network to be a company commander. Now they better be good, but they're not. You know, you don't network for your next job and have to do that. People know you. Your uniform shows your qualifications, and That's not the case. So the networking part is really the critical thing that is foreign to us, but through networking, you figure out everything else, interviewing resumes, maybe other options for what you wanna do.
0: So what I I hear you saying, I guess if I had to take away one, a back brief you here, one overall theme, it's that, yeah, you can find a job by applying online and going through digital mechanisms, but nothing replaces networking and LinkedIn was just one way for you to open up those conversations.
1: Yeah, exactly. You can get a job that way. It's just not likely Yeah. to just fly online. But LinkedIn is the best, you know, professional networking platform there is. It's, it's the best. It's the biggest, you know, in the US, I think it's 170 some million of people on it just in the US alone. So it's the place to do that. And it's known for that. That's where it's easy to go to. And then you can reach out to anywhere, especially if you're moving, because how do you Connect with people in, you know, Texas. If you're stationed up in, you know, Washington State, yeah, it's very hard to do, right? People don't have the rolodex, and we don't have the phone books of the old days of doing that. So you better reach out through online purposes, and LinkedIn's the best one for that.
0: Yeah, for sure. I guess even from a business perspective, they say that crisis and recessions don't cause trends; they accelerate trends that are already in progress. And this remote working trend was already in progress, and we've just kind of solidified that. I think business leaders have realized it takes a little different effort, not extra effort, to lead a team remotely in a business environment. So if you're on a base somewhere else, there's no reason why you can't connect and potentially land a job through transitioning. Speaking of jobs, you did land your target job. How did that happen?
1: Yeah. So again, through networking, right? It's not the fact that like, oh, I knew the people were interviewing me, good old boy system, because a lot of people think that, right? No, but it got me the interview. Mm -hmm. point blank. Now, once you get the interview, it's on you, right? It's you, your foot's in the door. It's up to you to sound good or sound like an idiot. So go have at it. But the networking got me to the interview stage and I was able to show them, Hey, this is how I can translate my value and show them. I'll just be real. You know, interesting factoid for trivia night. Hey, there's one guy in the history of the Army to be a Green Beret and win Army drill Sergeant of the year. You're listening to him right now. Guess what? My crappy cup of coffee at the gas station still costs two bucks just like yours does. <laughs> it's like anybody listening, right? Nobody gives a care. Like, it's cool and like, oh, thank you for your service, but yeah. it, nobody's giving you a job for that. So what I did was put all of my stories, and even now stories sounds like, oh, it's fake, you know, but when I was articulating how I was going to bring my experience there, especially in the interviews, I used words they understood. So I talked about my clients. I talked about my key stakeholders. I talked about my customers. I talked about business processes. Now, everything I talked about was working with indigenous forces and combat operations for the most part, but I put it in terms they understood because they had to see me sitting next to them not as like oh here's this you know crazy looking green beret but oh we need to see him as a consultant in this case and I was able to do that and, hey here's how I've leveraged technology to do that and um you know fortunately you know through the interview process series of interviews they were eating it up and then they offered me a position and I ended up taking it cuz it's what I wanted
0: and is that like the ability to translate your military parlance into terms that a civilian business world can understand—that's something you kind of learned over time through all the chats and networking that you did. Yes, there's no way.
1: Usually, most people in the military don't know that. So, just like I, as a Green Beret, we in culture, learned language. I had to learn the language. When I say deploying into America, learn the language. Mm-hmm. And depend on your industry, the language could be different. So, or the nuances. So, learn it. But you only could do that by talking to people, and then you know, internet research. And but a couple things I know the nomenclature of the industry. So, in consulting, you're always talking about clients, customers, stakeholders, and stuff. And one thing that sells across every industry is numbers. So, hey, if I say improve by 10%, save 25%, executed X million of dollars, expanded outreach by X percent, numbers travel. People understand that. Now, we may have to figure out, hey, where's some ways we can do numbers? based off our career? Because we had a property book and it was valued at $1.5 million. Big deal. What's that mean? Yeah. But if we can put some numbers to what we've actually done or did, excuse me, people understand numbers. They don't even have to think they understand, hey, improved by 25%. That's pretty good.
0: Yeah. I know a few guys that uh, had a reduction in their property book and that wasn't good. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, <no>. yeah, yeah. <laughs> hey, you've been out of the service a while. I want to ask How has time changed your perspective now that you've been out, what, three years or so? No, I mean, because I kind of started
1: going, you know, it's been a little over two years where I started my official retirement days only 18 months ago. I hit my 20 and then I was going through a med board. I considered all that time. like, hey, I wasn't doing crap. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. Yeah. How's it changed? I think one thing that I ignored and like, I'll just be honest and I'm not proud to say it, but it's a fact I've never voted. You know, I ignored politics because I was doing a mission. Let's go overseas, help other people. And I got back here. So I ignored politics and not to get in. I don't care who you vote for. Go out and vote. But I ignored it. So I pay attention to that stuff more. Mm-hmm. I pay attention to kind of how the probably some stuff that at the end of the day, you pay attention to what affects you. Right. So when you're on a team or you're down at a you know infantry battalion or company. You don't care about much else unless it's affecting you and your family. So now maybe I'm looking at stuff. I did almost all my time studying the Middle East countries there. How are they operating? That's the only news I pretty much watched or read yeah. every day. And now it's I focus on the U.S. because I'm like, wow, there's, you know, for 20 years, I missed a whole lot going on here that I didn't know it was, you know, I didn't yeah you're, you're, we're in the military you're kind of even though i lived off base most of my career you know after i was first couple of years you're still kind of sheltered because you're within that military community and a lot of stuff doesn't factor in so that's really how
0: it's changed for me yeah well i'm glad to hear that you're uh you're getting involved you're gonna vote is. There's something ironic about a guy willing to risk his life to, in part, ensure Americans can vote and then doesn't vote himself. It's definitely important to so definitely get out there and vote, although I think by the time this run, the election will have been decided. So good. But there'll be another one. So stay, <laughs> stay in tune. What um, I want to ask you now that you've been out a little while, you're working in management consulting, which is kind of a cerebral line of work, even in the business community. What would you say are are the key benefits veterans generally bring to business?
1: Yeah, I'll just give a perfect example. I think is especially Greenbriars, but everybody. We've dealt with chaos, especially those that've deployed. We've dealt with hardship. We've dealt with chaos. And not that we're the only ones, we don't own that. We don't own leadership and everybody else doesn't, you know, who's never served doesn't have it. But we tend to bring a little bit of calming perspective. And I had my boss, who's no longer my boss, we're getting ready to go into this briefing. She was going to brief 50 executives. So we'll say like general officers, but they didn't know what she was talking about, but she was freaking out. Right. And I'm like, hey, nobody's shooting us. Let's relax. And she's like, you don't understand. These are important people. I'm like, Yeah. Again, they're not going to shoot us like it's okay. So I think we bring some of that of like, hey, let's first world problems. Right. Like we've seen some real problems with some real hardships. Nobody's losing their job today. Nobody's dying. Let's focus. I think that, you know, project management, how can you be in the military for a number of years and not have run a project or tons of projects? So obviously that comes in a factor. I think being able to adjust right when it's great. Uh, Many people can work when everything is going fine. What happens when the train derails? When something in the warehouse goes wrong, something in the office goes wrong, or the boss says, hey, we we need this done today, not a month from now. I think we're quicker to adapt to that. Not all. I mean, that's a general statement. But we went through a crucible of training and experience that, you know, just quite frankly, a lot of people that haven't served don't even come close to that. Uh, So that's kind of some things that stick out to me as far as that. I think it's a double-edged sword, too, of veterans think, oh, because we've done that and everybody else sucks and they don't know anything, you can... You know, check your ego at the door because they'll still walk circles around you of like, hey, what's a PL? I oh, don't petroleum lubricants? No problem. Yeah, right. Sorry, buddy. Like, you know, so that's right. There's, there's stuff we may not have that we have to pick up on, but, you know, a lot of it translates and then we just keep learning.
0: There's definitely an, a level of raw talent and enthusiasm. The types of things that you can't train, like in the military, if you have it, you can train someone that's enthusiastic. It's the same thing in the business world too, but you can't train somebody to be enthusiastic about what they're doing.
1: Yeah. on that, Frank, I'm a big believer in grit, right? I think veterans, again, we aren't the only ones that have it, but veterans have showed grit and demonstrated over countless, you know, different countries, different instances here in the United States. That's not always the case. So I think that grit is one of the big things that if you got somebody a grit, who's not going to give up, you could train them and make them successful. And you can't, I believe you can't train somebody to be like, Hey, you've quit your whole life, but you're 42 years old now. I'm going to teach you to have grit. You know, there's no magic grit potion for people that, veterans that have honed.
0: Yeah, that's right. There's no pill. So we're getting a little bit towards the end here. I guess I'd ask, you know, what kind of final advice would you have for veterans that are getting out of the service and they're thinking about a career in business?
1: Yeah, I would say ask for help. And I'm going to, that covers all spectrums. Because let's be real, you probably don't know a lot about business in general. There are some people who run businesses on the side while they're in the military or we're in the business, but you probably don't know. Ask for help. You know, so how what's my resume need to look like? What's interview? How should I be? Do mock interviews. Don't be so full of yourself and overconfident that you know what you're doing, that you ruin opportunities that you have. Leverage those opportunities. Learn from it. You're going to have failure. It's okay because it's not failure if you learn from it and then you get better the next time and then also, hey, you're leaving an identity behind, right? Like, I've always said, hey, I'm Herb. I never identified really. This is who I was. But even to my some extent, like, that was an identity I had. I'm leaving behind. Let's be real. Two and a half years ago, there's a lot of people thought I was important as shit. You know, like, holy crap, you're a Green Beret, You're assigned doing this classified mission downrange. Like, I don't know. The people I was sending reports to thought I was important. Where, and then you go one day, you go out the gate, nobody cares anymore. Yeah. So I think understanding, like, What's my new identity going to be? How am I going to find that new purpose to drive me? Because now it's not for mom, pa, and apple pie. What am I going to do? I think sometimes by talking with people and, you know, I'm not talking to yourself, but that self reflection helps out with that. And also, like, it's okay to go seek help for that stuff. Like, it's to me, it's a sign of strength. That is really what. You know, a strong character is not like, oh, I'm going to figure it out until it's too late. And, you know, there's no secret that we have a suicide problem amongst veterans, not just, you know, young ones, but young and old. And it's sad because it's like, wow, they can make it through so much and then get back here. And, you know, people don't understand kind of what they've been through. And I mean, they have like don't see any value with them. So it's very easy to go into negative town really quickly and just stay positive and ask for help.
0: That's a really interesting comment about identity the military is such a consuming career in the civilian world. You don't, you know, you go to work, you come home, right? And you're home at night with your kids or whatever you got going on. When you're in the military, man, you're off on a post. And it's not that you're isolated or segregated, but there is some distance. There's a gate. You got to have an ID to get through it. And, you know, the days are long, you know, and especially when you're deployed somewhere, you're with those people 24-7, you know, and the way that you would be with a sibling. There is like this switch, this mental preparation about the identity uh-huh. you're going to leave behind.
1: It's a way of life. Uh, that's what I always tell
0: people yeah. the, the military is not a job.
1: It was a way of life. Management consulting now is a job or a career. Mm-hmm. It's not a way of life. Yeah. That to me is, you know, you live the military. You don't necessarily live every job there is.
0: Right. I want to make sure we let folks know your book, your title
1: again was? The Transition Mission. You can find it on Amazon. I think it's like five or six bucks. Money goes nonprofit. I don't get anything from it and then if you want to find me on linkedin herb thompson sf to biz same with you know instagram anything like that i regularly share transition tidbits or insights of going into business the process and not, i don't always focus on the the stuff that everybody talks about, right? It's the kind of that, hey, what's going on up here in the coconut in the headspace and timing of, hey, what's some things are going on? Like we talked by identity. So that's usually
0: a lot of the stuff I try to talk about because a lot of people just don't. That's awesome. Herb Thompson, thank you for your service. Thank you for coming on the show and sharing your experience, all that you've done and are doing with your book and really evangelism to help other veterans. No,
1: thank you, Frank. It was my privilege. I love what you're doing here and uh keep it up.
0: Thank you for listening to the Boots About Business podcast. Please know you can subscribe to this podcast wherever you catch your podcasts. And while you are there, won't you leave us a nice review? It'll help the show and in turn help other veterans. Finally, if you know someone that's a veteran in business or is an entrepreneur with a story to share, hit us up using the contact form on the show's website. That's bootsaboutbusiness.com. That's all one word, bootsaboutbusiness.com. Until next time, I am your host, Frank Strong. Out here.